Last time we talked about sound doctrine, and uh, you know, it's this this idea. It's a uh, you know that it's healthy, that it's whole. It gives you the whole picture, and it's but it's not just that. It's from the Word. It's from the Scripture. The thing is, it's not just head knowledge that we want to teach, right? We talked a lot about what what we want to teach, what we try to teach, what we're trying to accomplish uh, as we go through the Bible, but it's practical stuff. If it's just doctrine in the sense of formalized, uh, you know, stuff like that, and it never gets to real life application, we're, we're, we're missing the boat. It needs to get to the place where the Scripture comes into our lives and it affects us, it changes us. Uh, One man said this, teaching isn't about information, teaching is about life. And so I want you to think about that too when you come and you hear a Bible study, when you hear some kind of teaching, well, this is about life. This isn't just so I can get more information to know what the Bible says. This is about life. How is this going to affect my life, you see? And it always should be a part of that. I, I want to repeat to you again uh, what uh, Andy Stanley said about the three different uh, types of teaching. Uh, he said to teach the Bible to people, right? So you're just teaching about the Bible, and you're teaching to people, but it's just Bible information. And that's important. That's good. And then he said to teach people the Bible where you kind of take them into account, and you make application, but... But the third thing he said, and I think this is what sums it all up, is he says, teach people how to live a life that reflects the values, principles, and truths of the Bible. I think think all three are important, but, but that we would get to that place where God's Word changes us. It gets inside of me. It does something. Of course, we have to cooperate with that too, right? You remember, uh, you know, when you were growing up and your parents said to you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, why do you keep making me say this to you? And I'm, you know, I'm going to say this until I'm blue in the face. Have you ever seen somebody blue in the face, by the way? Yeah. That's kind of weird. But, you know, they keep saying it over and over, and I think God tries to get through to us sometimes, too. Like, why is he not, why are we not listening? So we have to cooperate with what God wants to teach us. And I believe that he's always teaching us. He's always wanting to help us. He's always wanting to work in our lives. So, Paul, again, we're going to break it down, but I I put this up here again because I I was so fascinated by the different groups of people here in the room. I want to do that one more time if we could. If you are, excuse me, in uh, the GI generation, your age is 91 to 116. Can you raise your hand? I'm the only one. Oh, okay, how about the silent generation, 72 to 90? Please don't be shy. Raise your hand if you're in that generation. Come on. People don't want to admit stuff. I know a few that aren't raising their hand. How about boomers? Let's see boomers. Okay, look around and see. This is, a, this is about, about a third, maybe. Uh, how about uh, Gen X? Gen X. Okay, Gen X, and uh, Millennials, okay, a few, not as many as I thought. How about the uh, Gen Z? Come on, raise them up big. This is what excites me, that, that we have so many in this younger generation. 
We're a little short. We're a little short on the millennials. We're, you know, what's up with the millennials? They're not going to church anymore or what? They're what? Yeah, they don't want to admit it. So we're all kind of in a different age group. And, and Paul, in this chapter, he's breaking it down into different groups. He doesn't break it down into all these different groups that we have in our society today. But I think there's something about realizing who you are and kind of where you are and how you fit. And I think that's kind of what he's saying. Now, he only breaks it down into younger and older men and women. That's the, the four groups that he breaks it into. But <clears throat> this idea, he, he talked, we talked last time about the older men, and they were first, and he said to teach the older men, and he, he had a, quite a few things for them to learn. Uh, I think he, he uh, assumes that they were going to be teachable. Now, all of us need to be teachable if we're going to be taught, right? How many of you remember going to school and like you, you were just, you had to be there. You didn't want to learn anything. Any of you remember that? Like yesterday? I mean Friday? Joe, I saw that hand. You know, if you're not teachable, you're never going to learn anything. So for us to be teachable, meaning that, again, as I said, we're cooperating. We're wanting to, I want to learn something. The, the minute we stop learning, we stop growing. If we stop learning, if we're not willing to learn something new, it doesn't matter whether we're young or whether we're old, you know, we're going to stop growing. So he's talking to the older men, and just to recap some of the things he talked about, you know, maturity, uh, to be living lives worthy of respect, to be sound in faith, sound in love, sound in endurance. And I think what struck me as... uh, as I read this, and I think it really strikes me about what we're going to look at today as well, is that they still had a very important part to play, the older men. They weren't just to be put on the side and, and put, you know, uh, away somewhere. And, but, but also, the older men had a lot to learn, too. Just because, you know, you reach a certain age doesn't mean that you know it all. Still a lot to learn, but still a very important part to play. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here today now with the, with the uh, older women, too, that they still have a very important part to play, but there's still a lot to learn. You have to be willing and open. Now, uh, one thing that women don't particularly like you to ask is, how old are you? Now, why is that? I don't know. I'm not going to get into it with you here. But you don't ask a woman how old she is. But thinking about when Paul speaks about it, I think for Paul, uh, some think it was probably around 40, right? So the older women would be like over 40 and younger women would be like under 40. That's kind of what they think he, was, uh, he had in mind there. Uh, now, I wish the senior disc a senior citizen discount started at 40. That would be so awesome, I think. But it's kind, of, it's kind of annoying now when you go somewhere and they say, oh, would you like the senior citizen discount? Like, is it my beard? Like, what is it? I don't know. But again, it's this idea of accepting who we are and accepting where we are and doing what God's called us to do in that category, in that role. 
Because we all have a part to play. Whether you're younger, whether you're older, what is your part to play? That's the question I want you to think about today. What is your role? Now, you're, you're perhaps not one of the older women, but you have a role to play, and you can learn from some of these things that even that Paul talks to the uh, older women about. I want you to turn back just a, a couple pages, 1 Timothy chapter 5, though. He, he talked about how to uh, <clears throat> look at the different groups. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 he says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, treat older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Kind of a way to look at each other and, and, and you know, uh, show some respect to one another. I think that's the idea of what he's talking about here in those verses. So, so uh, to treat the older women, and, and there are some older women that I consider my mother. I have a lot of mothers, a lot of moms, uh, you know, and, and that's good. And, and I can learn from them uh, as well. So let's pick it up there in verse 3, because it's only really uh, one and a half verses that deal with the uh, older women. Likewise, verse 3, teach back in Titus 2, I'm sorry. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good, and then they can train the younger women. Then they can train the younger women. Teach the older women. I like that it says don't, it doesn't say teach the old women, because immediately you would be what? No, you'd be turned off. I don't want to hear that, right? Teach the old women. Well, I'm not an old man. I'm not an old man. But he says to teach the older women, and again, we need to face it. It, it happens to all of us, right? We're going to get older. Should we not go home to be with the Lord if we're a believer? We're going to get older. It's just the facts of life, you see. I read in 2 Corinthians the other day, and uh, this, it's, this struck me. It said, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being what? Renewed day by day. Let me read that again. Outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And literally, literally it means from sunrise to sunset. So during the daytime, we're getting this renewal happening, and we thought we were being renewed at night. Well, when you get older, you don't sleep much at night anyway. So, you know, there's this thing that happens that we're wasting away. These bodies are not getting any younger. They're not getting any stronger. They're not getting any better. I mean, you know, there's a, a sense where if you're out of shape, you can work out and get a little stronger, perhaps. But it's this, this idea of being renewed day by day that God is doing something in our lives that we are growing spiritually. That is for every single one of us here. That, that something is, is growing. We're being renewed day by day. It's a, it's a daily thing. It happens every single day. For the older woman, too, I think this is kind of the idea that we see here that there's a spiritual life that's growing within you. That God sees you as a woman of God. God's, and I think in God's 
mind and, and for us to see that to be a woman of God is a very powerful thing. That you can help others, that you can be a powerful force. And again, it's not like, you know, you're put to the side. And I think, you know, even as Paul teaches here, he's showing us how much that women can do. And I think, you know, he's, he's kind of turning the tables on some of the current things of thinking that, that were around at that time in a lot of different ways. To be an older woman, you, you have a very, very important role. I want to say that. But with a, a very important role comes what? Responsibility. Responsibility. Look what he says here. He says, he says teach them. Teach them what? To be reverent in the way they live. To be reverent, to, to have this idea of being consecrated, that your life is consecrated to God. There's a reverence about your life. There's something about you that, that you, your life is dedicated. Your life is set apart to the Almighty God. Peter talks about it in uh, 1 Peter 3. We won't turn there, but I'll read a, a couple of parts of it. He talks about how it affected the husbands, even the husbands who didn't believe. He said that, that they would be affected when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. And then he talks about the beauty that it shouldn't be just from outward stuff, but he says instead it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. That, that this spiritual life that's in you is going to affect the people around you, perhaps, perhaps your husband who does not believe, Peter is talking about. This is a spiritual power, I believe. Paul says to to Titus, teach the, the older women to be reverent in the way they live, to be reverent, and it comes out in their lives. It's not just that they carry a Bible around. It's not just that they pray at mealtimes, but there's something about the way they live. And this, the, the, the idea of these words mean that it's fitting. It's fitting for a woman of God. It's, it's fitting. Your life is fitting for someone who belongs to God, fitting for a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, that applies to all of us, too, that our lives need to be in line with who we are, not just in age. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, my life needs to fit what I profess. If it doesn't, what does that make me? A hypocrite. And how many of you love hypocrites? Larry? What is he talking about here in the way they live? It, it's the whole of life, though, isn't it? It's, a, it's the whole of life. Some people would, would focus on one thing. Well, it's a way that a woman would dress. But it's, it's much more than dress. It's, a, it's not only dress, it's speech. It's behavior. All these things about a, the whole of a person's life should be affected by our faith. Speaking specifically to the women here, you know what? What, a, what an impact you can have. That this teaching is affecting your life and you can have an impact in all of those people that are around you, no matter what your sphere of influence is. Now he goes on, we read it there, he, he, he brings up uh, for the women here only, only two uh, problem areas. And uh, 
the first one is, is uh, not to be slanderers. Let me give you a definition of slander, just in case you don't know. The action or crime of making a false spoken statement, damaging to a person's reputation. So it's a statement that you make about somebody else that is going to damage them, that is going to hurt them. Paul says specifically, don't be slanderers. This has to do, as, he said, as it, the definition says here, it's a spoken statement, something that comes out of our mouths. We need to be careful what comes out of our mouths. Is that just women? No. That's every single one of us. But he says, don't be slanderers. You know, what comes out of our mouths can certainly hurt people. We can talk about so-and-so. We can gossip, right? And again, this isn't just women. I, I'm not trying to uh, say that, but I'm just, it, it, it's in the passage dealing with the women, but this is, can affect every single one of us that, that we take and we speak and we talk about people and we say mean things, we say ugly things, we say things that are not necessary, we say things that are not true, perhaps because we're hurt, perhaps because we're angry. So we have to ask ourselves, is it, is it true? First of all, is it true? And even if it is true, is it helpful to say those things? Is it necessary? James said what? To be slow to speak. We're usually quick to speak and slow to listen. He says that's, you got it backwards, right? You need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. That's what he's talking about. And Paul is talking about it here as well. Proverbs said, and, and Patrick did a message about Proverbs, uh, but he, it says in Proverbs 18, the words of a gossip are, are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. That gossip that we're saying about people, it's like going right into, it gets into people. It's going to do some damage. It's going to get in there and, and hurt somehow. I heard someone talking on the radio the other day. They said, you know, that, whole, that, that old statement, you know, sticks and stones will hurt, will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. That is not true. The things you say will hurt. And how do you know that? You know that because people have said things to you that really hurt, that you have not forgotten to this day. If I ask you to stop and think about somebody who said something about you, you could probably remember something, and it still hurts today, and it might have been years and years ago. Paul's saying that, that you know, the, the, the older women could have a very strong impact, but they need to be careful about speaking and what they say, as we all do. James, another passage, James says this. He says in chapter 3, he says, The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. That means that you and I, that you know, the, this tongue, we can say stuff that's like inspired right out of hell, right out of hell itself. That's horrible, isn't it? And he's talking in there about controlling our tongues. You know what I find interesting? This word for slanderer here in, in uh, Titus chapter 2, you know what the word 
The literal word is diabolos. That's the word. Not to be diabolos. Uh, you know, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He's the, he's the slanderer, uh, you know, in chief. So when we are slandering and talking like this, we're actually like talking like him. We're actually, actually being like him. Talking like the devil. This is where we get the word devil from this word. Diabolos. That's crazy, huh? So that was the first uh, problem area. The second problem area is this, not addicted to much wine. Now, you know, in the, in the uh, qualifications for leadership, he talks about that as well. But he brings it up again here for the women, uh, for the older women. It was a very real problem in those days. But is it a real problem today? Absolutely. Not just for women, though, it's all. But, it, you know, in our society, you know, we, it's how we relax, right? I'm just going to have a drink. I'm just going to have a glass of wine. It's how we relax. It's how we cope with things. How we deal with pressure. You're going to say, oh, no, you're not going to preach all about that. But the interesting thing about this verse, it says addicted not to be addicted to much wine. And that word literally means to be in bondage to, to be a slave to. Peter said in 2 Peter, a man is, is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So he's saying don't, let, don't become slaves to wine, to alcohol. This is a, something I, I, I think we need to be very careful about. It's a problem in our society. It's a huge problem in our society. You know, we have, we have a lot of problems with drugs in our society, but we have a much, much larger problem with alcohol in our society. More people are affected and lives are ruined because of alcohol. Why? Because it's completely accepted. It's completely legal. Everything is okay about it. You say, well, well, listen, Rich, it, the Bible doesn't say that I can't drink. That's true. But I think if you did a study about it, you'd also see that you need to be very, very careful about it because of what it can do. A couple more Proverbs. Uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 20, wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. He says, whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Be careful. Be careful. I talked about this a while back. At, you know, the idea of, of uh, not just what it'll do to you, and perhaps you can handle it, but what about the brother or sister next to you who cannot handle it at all? Are you going to stumble then? Perhaps you can do it, but perhaps you need to do it when you're not in, you know, going to stumble anybody, not going to uh, cause anybody else to fall. Proverbs 23 says, don't gaze at the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. It says, in the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. That's not me saying that. That's what the Bible says. That's what Solomon in Proverbs chapter 23 says. Ephesians chapter 5, do not get what? Drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. 
It leads to other stuff. Well, you know, don't get drunk on that. But, but, but what? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, two potential problem areas. But I want to get back to this, this idea of the older women and the influence that they have and the responsibility, the responsibility that they have. The first thing he says there, look in verse, uh, verse uh, the last part of verse 3, he says, but to teach what is good, to teach what is good. How do you teach? I think by your life and by what you teach in like lessons. It's not just the lessons that you would write out and teach but it's by your life as well. People are watching. People are learning from you. People are watching and learning from every single one of us. What are they seeing? What kinds of lessons are they learning? This idea here to be a teacher of good things, to be a teacher of goodness, what are we teaching by our lives and by the lessons that we give? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. And again, the idea of, of the teaching itself is that it would get into us. We, we need to ask the questions of ourselves. Are there things that are helping that to take place? Or are there things in our lives we need to get rid of that, that we might be able to really be used by God to teach what is good? Teach what is good. A teacher of goodness. Then the next part there and found in verse 4, he says, then, what? They can train the younger woman. There, there, there's also this idea of teaching that goes on. It's a ministry. It's a calling to, to train the younger. This word includes in it to advise, to encourage, to urge, to admonish, to disciple. You know, there's something about an older saint, an older gal who has just got Jesus living in them that affects people. But, but, but he's saying here you need to almost be intentional about reaching out to the younger ones. I, I see that in my own life. I need to be intentional about reaching to those that are younger than me. I could just go and live my life and do my own thing. But, but it, it, you know, to, to, to purposefully help someone else along the way is important. One Bible expositor says this. He says, years of Bible study and practical experience enable her to pass on valuable counsel to those starting out in life. Otherwise, each new generation is doomed to learn the hard way, repeating the mistakes of the past. Of the past. Years of Bible study and practical experience. God didn't give you all that Bible learning and all that experience to just keep it to yourself. We need to pass it on to someone, perhaps that they're younger in the faith or younger in age. Both, I think, count. To pass it on. So I, I want to ask this, and I want to ask you older men as well, the question is, is what younger ones are you helping? What younger ones are you training? What younger ones are you teaching? And I include myself in this. What younger ones are you mentoring to help along this path? 
That's very important. Very important. It comes out of the way we live. It comes out of what we say, what we teach. Again, the whole package is part of it. And there may be certain things, as, as he pointed out for these two, that we need to kind of uh, put to the side so that we can be more effective in, in our lives helping other people. But we, we can ask the question about ourselves. Now, on the other side of that, what about you, you ones that are younger? Do you have someone, whether you're a younger woman or a younger man, do you have someone that you can look to for help? Someone who's older, that has experience, that can help you. They're older in the faith, older in life. That's important. We can help each other. And as a family, that, that's what we should do. That's what we need to do. So who are we helping? Or, and maybe there are others that we look up to that can help us. Don't be afraid to ask somebody. Don't be afraid. You see someone here in the church and, and you, you know, it's an older gal and I think you know, the, the girls should ask the gals, the gals and the, the young men should ask the, the older men. Uh, you see someone and, and you know, hey, I have a question about this particular situation or about this particular verse. Just in life, I'm, I'm going through this thing at school, or I'm going through this thing in my job, and do you have something, some idea that you might be able to help me understand this? How can I, how can I deal with this? We've got to help each other. It's a very important, it's a role, it's a responsibility. So let me recap before we close here. He says to teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And then they can train the younger. That's important. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, I thank you for this group of people, this family that we have before us today, Lord, that, that we're all in this together. And, and uh, those that are older, those that are more mature, we need to take our responsibility and and take it seriously that, that we need to be helping these younger ones along. Father, I, I, I saw all those hands of those in that, in that younger group that, that uh, need to have uh, us older ones helping them, encouraging them, urging them, admonishing them, and, and mentoring, and discipling. You said to make disciples, and and Father, help us not to be irresponsible with, with all the experience, with all the uh, lessons that we've learned in our lives to pass them along to these younger ones. I pray, too, for the younger ones that they would be willing to be teachable themselves and, and to reach out to the older uh, men and women to learn and to, to help them on their paths. Father God, we, we just surrender, we submit to you as you are the creator, the awesome God, the one that we can turn to, even here, even now, even today. Lord, I want to pray as well, as always, for those that perhaps have never surrendered to Jesus Christ as Savior. If that's you today, you, you can simply call out to him right now as we pray and say, Lord, I need you in my life. I'm lost. 
I pray that you would come into my life and make me a new person. You'd forgive me of my sin. You'd save me, Lord. Father, thank you again for all that you've done for us, all that you've given to us. Help us to be responsible, to do as you would ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?